The following is a production of differentbrains.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Wrighton, and welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And I'm very excited today because today we go across the pond. We go all the way over to the UK. And we're going to speak to someone named Jessica Tom. And Jessica Toms herself did not get diagnosed until she was in her 20s with Tourette's syndrome, which we're going to learn about today. Jessica, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. Just here. All Just right. Here. Now, why don't you explain to our Different Brains audience, because some of them might not even know what Tourette's is, and I'd like you to explain it. Just here. Biscuit. So Tourette's syndrome biscuit is a neurological condition. Biscuit, um, biscuit. That means that it's characterised by involuntary biscuit movements and noises called tics. Biscuit. So biscuit. Um, those can include biscuit vocal tics. Biscuit hedgehog. Biscuit. Like for me, biscuit and hedgehog cats. Biscuit. Um, biscuit. And just so nothing gets lost in translation. Biscuit. When I say biscuit, I'd like you to think cookie. Biscuit, hedgehog, cats, biscuit, uh, because biscuit means cookie in the UK. Biscuit, hedgehog, beans. Um, and also, I have lots of involuntary motor tics, so involuntary movements, biscuit. And for me, they include banging my chest hundreds of times a day, biscuit. So I wear padded gloves to stop my knuckles getting uh, cracked and bloody and to protect my chest. Biscuit, hedgehog, cats. In addition to the tics you're describing, um, do you have other challenges? Biscuit. Um, biscuit. Um, biscuit. So Tourette's um, biscuit uh, impacts on my life in a number of different ways. Biscuit. So biscuit includes the the ticks that you can see. Um, biscuit. But my motor ticks. Biscuit affect my mobility. Biscuit. So I've got ticks in my legs that mean um, my walking biscuit is very chaotic and wobbly. Biscuit. So I use a wheelchair to get around, um, which is much more safety, much more, which much safer uh, and makes me much more independent. Um, biscuit. Um, biscuit, hedgehog, biscuit, and um, I am one of the ten percent of people with Tourette's biscuit who ha who who has coporalia, which is the technical name for obscene tics. So I have some rude and swearing tics um, as part of my condition. Biscuit, um, biscuit. Most people, lots of people with Tourette's, about eighty percent will have other associated conditions, so um, like uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder. Biscuit. Um, I have some um, obsessive behaviour. Biscuit, um, but I don't have lots of these are those other co-associating conditions. I am, however, dyslexic and dyspraxic, biscuit, which was my first diagnosis, the first things that emerged um, that demonstrated that I was neurodiverse, the first things to be identified um, for me. Well, one of the reasons we founded differentbrains.com is because I think it's kind of a myth that any of these things exist in isolation and they all have commonalities, common tools that can be used that are good for all of them. So we're trying to get all of these uh, challenges and differences under one roof, whether it's neurological, intellectual, developmental, mental health, and uh, you have a bunch of the gamut yourself. So you're a walking encyclopedia. Obviously, I, I embrace neurodiversity. So one of the reasons we I created Tourette's Hero and co-founded Tourette's Hero was because it helped me recognize the amazing spontaneous creativity that um, 
that having uh, a brain that works differently gives me access to. Um, and I've come to see that and understand that as my power and not my problem. Biscuit, catch or catch. Biscuit. Could you repeat that again? Biscuit. Um, biscuit. So, Biscuit, I've come to understand that my ticks are my power and not my problem. Biscuit, because they give me access to an amazing, spontaneous creativity that I wouldn't have otherwise. Biscuit. Uh, biscuit. And my vocal ticks often collide together, really unusual concepts and words to create new ideas. Biscuit. Hedgehog. Writing. Biscuit. I love cats. <laughs> what is the biggest misconception that civilians, people who are not in the neurodiversity community or the Tourette's community, what is the biggest misconception they might have about Tourette's? The biggest misconception about Tourette's is that it's all about swearing. It's often characterized as the swearing disease and people often don't, don't get the support they need because people find that side of it comic or, um, or open to ridicule. In fact, only a very small percentage of people with Tourette's have rude tics. 90% don't have any swearing tics, obscene tics at all. Um, Biscuit, I think other big myths are the fact that it's just saying what's on your mind. Biscuit, and I can promise you, I definitely don't think about biscuits, hedgehogs, or hedgehogs or cats nearly as much as I talk about them. Biscuit, and it's also not rare. It's not a rare condition. Um, Biscuit, some people um, are affected in really mild ways and their tics will be barely noticeable. Um, while others will be uh, have more intense tics, which will be more um, obvious to other people. Biscuit. What do you I think? Um, biscuit. What do you think the occurrence is? Uh, biscuit. I think it's about one in a hundred um, is what I've understood it to be um, the occurrence. Yeah. Now, based on your knowledge, what's the big difference about the way Tourette's might be understood in and treated in England versus how it might be over here? in the United States? Well, we've had um, a really exciting opportunity to, with Backstage in Biscuitland to travel a lot to different countries, so to tour all, all over the UK um, and to um, tour and travel in the US. Um, Biscuit, and actually what's interesting is that I think lots of the understandings and attitudes to Tourette's are similar. There are, there are some people who have a lot of understanding and are really open to being supportive. And there's just get some people um, find it a more challenging condition and don't understand straight away and need some help to, to imagine what it's like to live with Tourette's. I think one of the things that I noticed more, um, more broadly was that in the US, you have really great legislation um, around in the American with Disabilities Act around, um, around um, access to public spaces. Um, and so I think that your legislation around disabled people and around access feels um, really strong. And we have legislation in the UK, um, but perhaps sometimes that's not always in, as enforced as enthusiastically as it seems to be in the US. Um, and so spaces aren't maybe as accessible as they are um, in the States. One of the things that I do feel very proud to be part of in the UK is an amazing disability arts scene where there are lots of disabled people who are working as artists and making work about their experiences. And from what I've seen internationally, it can be harder for people who have different lived experiences to connect with each other, either because of um, the space or like distance or resources. And I suppose that's the one thing that has been really important to me is meeting other people with Tourette's, seeing other disabled artists and seeing, my, seeing people having careers and succeeding in all types of roles. Biscuit, and I think that's really important for young people 
who are neurodiverse um, and are living with a condition that makes them potentially makes them stand out is to see people who look, move and sound like they do succeeding in all types of roles. What has been uh, your biggest challenge at this point in time? I think some of the biggest um, the biggest challenges I have personally in terms of um, living with Tourette's uh, is the fact that it's a fluctuating condition, so it goes up and down in the course of someone's life, which can mean that ticks look quite different one day to how they might another day. And it can mean that just as you get used to a tick, a new set of ticks can occur. And that biscuit and that can that that can be shocking and it can be hard to adjust and it can be frightening to experience your mind or body changing in ways that you hadn't expected and to having to adjust to that. Um, biscuit. But there is yet to be um, a set of ticks or ticks that I haven't been able to overcome with the right support and with some creative thinking. Biscuit. Now I see that the ticks give you plenty of exercise. What else do you do for exercise? Yeah, um, yeah, I um, I go swimming, so I swim almost every day. Just, yeah, I love swimming and being in the water, and I'm very lucky to have a hydrotherapy pool uh, near me as well. So as well as uh, swimming for exercise, I can always uh, swim for relaxation and uh, to stretch my muscles. I also go to an amazing um, accessible cycling project called Wheels for Wellbeing that we have here in London that provides all sorts of adapted bicycles. Um, for disabled people to use, um, and that means that I can, uh, yeah, get my heart going and keep fit in a way that I might otherwise find challenging. Let's get. You know, more I can say as a sports medicine and orthopedic surgeon that one of the most underrated exercises and underused is getting in a pool and doing any kind of exercise because it works in so many good ways. It it's non-weight bearing for the most part yet it's resistive and it's cooling and it soothes and it's great. Now, we have plenty of studies to show how exercise successfully helps rewire your brain along with a good diet. What kind of diet do you eat? Uh, just, yeah, um, well, I'm mainly, I'm mainly vegetarian and I eat um, very little um, dairy products as well. So I tend to, I'm, I'm, I would reluctant, I wouldn't say that I'm a full vegan, um, but I, um, I try and follow a vegan diet, biscuit, and I try and eat healthily and eat a variety of foods, um, biscuit, and um, make se like make sensible choices and eat 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 things that I enjoy, but eat them in moderation, biscuit. Ketchup. Well, study after study has shown that a diet like yours, that's mainly plant-based or Mediterranean-style diet, and if you avoid all the processed stuff that it really is helpful, not only for your heart and your whole body, but they have numerous studies now showing the rewiring in your brain uh, for a positive uh, nature. Um, would you care to comment on your, for our audience out there who might have all different kinds of neurodiversity challenges um, about interpersonal relationships? Let's get, so, um, Biscuit, I, I have a really strong support network, Biscuit, that's been really important to me as my ticks have intensified. Um, I also have um, a team of support workers. So, although Biscuit, I have my ticks affect my mobility and I, Biscuit, and my ticks are sort of fairly constant, there, I also have sudden, inter, in, sudden intensifications of ticks 
several times a day, which can mean during which I can totally lose control of my body and speech, which means that I need constant support and supervision to make sure that I'm safe and to mean that if my tics intensify, that I have someone on hand to make sure that I am not at risk. Um, and that obviously, that, like having that sort of level of intense support can put pressure on relationships and it can be, um, and I've certainly found at the beginning, it really hard to accept that level of help. But a really important idea for me was the idea that another um, disabled comic, a friend of mine who's an amazing, called Lawrence Clark, who's an amazing uh, disabled comedian and writer. I read something that he wrote about the idea that being independent doesn't mean having to do everything for yourself. Being independent is about being in control of your decisions and knowing when to ask for help um, and accepting help when you need it. So um, I consider myself fully independent and I can lead an independent life and I can be in control of my decisions. But I also need to do that. I need the support of other people. Um, and I have lots of amazing supportive networks that have been crucial to me. And that includes other people with Tourette's. That includes the um, disability community. Um, and it includes my support workers and personal assistants. Biscuit. Jessica, you were not diagnosed until your 20s. What were you being told up until that time? Well, Biscuit, my, Biscuit as a child, um, my, um, my tics were much milder. The first tics that I can remember were when I was about six. Um, Biscuit, and I, uh, I was uh, involuntarily squeaking, making facial expressions. Biscuit, um, my tics intensified in my early 20s. Um, and began to have a much bigger impact on my life. Um, and I initially resisted um, diagnosis because I didn't see what it would add to my life. I, Biscuit, I, I know I'd, I'd probably known I had Tourette's from my late teens, Biscuit, but I thought, well, what's the point in getting a diagnosis now? What will that add? But I was wrong. Biscuit, being able to um, understand something that had always been a big part of me and have a way of explaining it to other people was absolutely crucial and it also meant that I was able to get the right support um, biscuit and tap into the right services and the right um, techniques and the right strategies to help me manage um, my life and my tics and a condition that changes. Biscuit, um, when I was a child I was, um, I did also have a diagnosis of dyslexia and dyspraxia and I think my behaviour was very unusual and very impulsive and I was very active um, and I think I was lucky in that my, even though I didn't have a formal diagnosis of Tourette's, my unusual behaviour was understood in the context of neurodiversity. Um, and I was actually supported well at school, um, despite the fact that um, people did it like Tourette's wasn't as well understood and it wasn't something that had been um, identified as an issue for me. Well, Jessica, Tom, it is a pleasure to be speaking with you here. Um, what other challenges might you have that are not readily apparent? So I suppose one of the issues um, for me that most people um, wouldn't necessarily see at the moment is that I have a sort of experience, uh, I've been experiencing chronic pain for the last year. The exact cause of that hasn't been identified, but it's probably due to lots of the very sort of uh, strong um, physical movements, involuntary movements that I make and the impact of that on my body. And so I think the, um, for me, adjusting to living with pain has been, um, has been a challenge. Uh, biscuit, and that obviously has an impact on my stamina and my energy and my sleep. Biscuit, um, and sleep with Tourette's can be tricky and getting to sleep and staying to asleep can be, uh, can be hard. Um, uh, I use a weighted blanket to help me sleep, um, uh, as well as trying to observe really healthy 
sleeping routines and practices. Um, biscuit. And I suppose sometimes, biscuit, people see the big ticks, they see the big um, uh, movements and noises that I make, biscuit. But there are lots of, often lots of smaller, um, less noticeable movements. And sometimes those are the ones that, that really, that, that I notice or that can prevent me from getting to sleep or can cause me pain. Biscuit. What is one piece of advice you would give to someone who has just been diagnosed with Tourette's or other neurodiverse diagnosis? Biscuit, I would say learn about the condition, Biscuit and Biscuit. Don't be afraid to find out more and to ask questions. Biscuit, reach out, um, Biscuit, to the community of people living with that condition. For me, connecting with other people with Tourette's um, was really key in helping me to accept myself. Um, I put it off for ages and I don't know why, uh, Biscuit. And then when I met other people with ticks, I realized that I'd never expect them to hold their ticks in or be embarrassed by them. So why did I expect that of myself? So don't be embarrassed by who you are. Don't be afraid to be open with other people. And Biscuit, accept yourself exactly as you are and develop ways of sharing that and your talents with other people. Biscuit. Uh, Jessica, Tom, how can our Different Brains audience learn more about you? Biscuit. They can visit Tourette'sHero.com, our website, uh, Biscuit, and explore it, or can follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. And for any young Different Brains viewers, um, Biscuit, um, the website has a safe mode, and with one click, you can remove uh, and make invisible any rude words. Biscuit, hedgehog, cat. Biscuit. Could you explain yes. that a bit? Biscuit, yes. Biscuit, so I am one of the 10% of people with Tourette's that has some rude ticks. Uh, and not including them as part of the site. Biscuit felt wrong. It felt like editing out part of my disability. Um, and I wanted to make sure that they were included. Uh, Biscuit, because some of those ticks are really funny and really interesting. And um, it's part of my lived experience. But we also wanted to make sure that the site was accessible to, to children and to young people and to a really broad audience. Um, and so we created a safe mode, which means there's essentially two sites. There's the site with sort of more rude or adult content. And with one click of a button, you can choose to make all of that invisible. So um, so you, you can explore it with a child, share it with a child, um, biscuit, and they can enjoy learning about Tourette's Hero without having to worry about seeing anything that might um, upset them or confuse them or lead to any uncomfortable conversations. Biscuit, catch. Jessica, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure. I've learned so much talking to you. Keep up the great work you're doing on stage and off stage and talking at TED lectures and doing all the stuff you do, teaching us all about Tourette's and other neurodiversity challenges. You're an inspiration. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. What a lovely conversation. Beans, cats. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com. 